When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome into the Bruins Beat, presented by CLNS Media and sponsored by our good friends over at FanDuel and HelloFresh. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Here joining me today, the great Scott McLaughlin. Scott, what is up? Not much. What's up with you, Evan? Thanks for having me. Of course. Nothing much. Nothing major. Uh, I Are you nervous at all about Monday? Monday's Beanpot final? Are you nervous at all? You know, a, a little bit. Uh, Northeastern's given BU trouble this year. Both, both their games have gone to overtime. Uh, you know, Northeastern's they they've been the dominant team in the bean pot so recently. Um yeah, so be be you the favorite, but I don't I don't think that's gonna be an easy game at all. I think I agree with you. BU to me on Monday, why they won was they played like the underdog because they were. They just lost two to BC, they were technically lower ranked, all that stuff, and they played like the underdogs. They almost they, your team did almost blow it at the end. That did almost happen, but yeah, ended up winning. So that that counts. But Northeastern, like the Bean Pot's their biggest thing. Like that's uh, the Huskies. That's just their. I always say it's like their national championship. They can win the Bean Pot. Like it's a, it's a successful season. Yeah, so. I I will say I, I know you're there as well, but I will say that Northeastern Harvard game, the first game Monday, that was being played like four gears below the BUBC oh, game. That yes. Was, that was a slow, not very exciting game. So I, I think Northeastern does have another gear, but they're definitely going to have to be better than they were this past Monday. Yeah, it's funny that Northeastern Harvard game ended up kind of having an exciting finish, but I just think it it was it just didn't look great in comparison to what was coming after it, yeah. right? Like on its own, I think it would have been a good game, but it's just like, everyone's like, all right, BCBU, come on, let's go. BCBU, we need this. Um, so again, I'm happy that it was first round, but there's still part of me that would have loved to have seen that as the championship game. Um, but what are you going to do? Yeah. So. My, my only thing there is I, I feel like if, even if it had been set up where BUBC could have met in the championship, I feel like Northeastern would have ruined it for someone. Like, they would have <laughs> pulled right. off the upset. So, <laughs> well, my my wish of Harvard winning this bean pot, unfortunately, did not go very uh, far at all. So, unfortunately, that didn't take place. I will say though, uh, that's my second time watching Max Celebrini in person this year. I saw him earlier this year uh, play the NTDP. I wasn't at either of the BCBU games. Uh, earlier in January, and then I uh, saw him Monday. How was there ever any doubt that that kid was going to go number one? 
because uh, going into the year, it was really between him and Iserman, and and like I, I think Cole Iserman's great, but Celebrini, man, that's the total package. Yeah, he 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 does it all. It's like I remember early in the season, you know, he was coming off shoulder surgery, and I was like, okay, is it going to take a little time to get going? He's 17 years old, and you know, playing NCAA, like that's pretty big jump, and it, almost right from the like I was at his very first game at Bentley. And I think there was like a little bit of a feeling out, a little bit of a slow start. And then he like took over the second half of that game. And there was like every shift he was dominant. And then really since then, it just hasn't slowed down. Now, BC in that weekend series did do, uh, I would say about as, as good of a job as anyone could do of bottling him up. And, and even then, like he still had chances. He just didn't bury them. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's, he's a lot of fun to watch and, and, I think everything you're looking for in a center, you know, he's probably not, he's not a generational talent like a Bedard or a McDavid, but he's, he's a really good number one overall pick. And I think now pretty clearly uh, the top pick in this draft. I was going to say with his size and his, you know, his game in general, I think he's a really safe pick as a number. I always said this, like, I remember last year saying like, obviously Bedard's the number one pick, but he is smaller and you know, there are questions there, whereas you have a guy like Fantilli or even Leo Carlson, who's a little bit bigger, plays maybe a little more 200-foot game, and it's a little bit more of a safer bet. You kind of know what you're going to get out of him as a number one center. Obviously, Bedard is better and has the higher upside. I get that. But Celebrini falls into that Fantilli category, I feel like, of like a really good you know, center who you kind of know what you're going to get uh, a little bit easier to project at the, at the next level. So um, I think that'll end up happening with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what were you going to say? Finish off celebrating that. You're the BU guy. Sure. Uh, I, I was going to say, like, I, I've been impressed with his willingness to to get his nose dirty, too. Like, you, you kind of wonder that a little bit with young players who have always been the most talented at every level they've been at. You know, are are they going to go to those dirty areas? Are they willing to mix it up, take contact, all that? And and I think he has. Like, I, I don't think he's shied away from that at all this season. So that's that's been impressive, too. I agree. I agree. Um, anyways, uh, let's get on to Bruins. People in the YouTube comments, Scott, always get very angry when we, we spend the first couple minutes not discussing Bruins. So Listen, uh, you you can't have me on between the two Beanpot nights. And, like, I mean, come on. I That's what I mean. I, we've got to talk a little bit of Beanpot. And people should care about the Beanpot, uh, even though UMass isn't in it. I think they should still care a little bit what's happening in the Beanpot. Uh, but... Bruins crushed the Canucks on Thursday night. Uh, great response. I think that was kind of my main takeaway was, you know, they played like garbage against Calgary the other night. M- Montgomery called it the worst effort he'd seen in his two years as head coach here. Um, but to have that kind of response, to go in, uh, to have Vancouver come in and play the way they did, I mean, two shorthanded goals in the first period. I mean, I, I you know, again, it's hard to t- have some big takeaway big long-term takeaway from that but I mean that's a hell of a response game and I think encouraging going forward yeah for sure and and obviously to an extent shorthanded goals can can be a little bit fluky although obviously you know the Bruins made good plays on, on both you know Charlie Coyle starting them Martian finishing Danton Heinen with a great finish but even beyond that that was a great first period for the Bruins like mm. held held Vancouver to four shots and the with multiple power plays mixed in there like that was impressive they i thought they played a lot more physical than they did against calgary um and you just saw the intensity level rise and i know montgomery highlighted 
that after the game too. He said he, he really wanted to see the intensity and, and he did. Um, yeah. It, you know, it's, it's funny how like one bad game, it's the sky's falling and you know, everyone's, Oh my God. What, you know, they got to like shake it up. They got to do something big before the trade deadline. Like what, Look how look how far off they are. Tell Noah Hannafin to stay in Boston. Uh, yeah. Don't let him go home. And then it's like the very next. And I know Vancouver had an off night. Like I'm sure they'd be the first to tell you that was one of the worst games they played all year. Um, I suspect we'll see a you know a closer contest when the Bruins go out there in a couple weeks. But regardless, like yeah, just a great response from the Bruins um, to kind of make a statement. Not just that you can beat you know, the team that's right there with you competing for the best record in the league, but that Tuesday just isn't who you are. Like that's, and, and that you're not going to like games like that compound and snowball. You're going to get right back at it next game and just bring a much better effort. Yeah. And, and Montgomery said it after the game, when they go to Vancouver in a few weeks, Vancouver, I think it's gonna be a much different game. I mean, they've been a great team this year. One of the, probably maybe the biggest surprise uh, in the NHL, and I, it's it's hard to take again. You can't be like, oh, that's the they 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 uh, they caved in the big game, Scott. They're not going to do anything in the playoffs. But I do think there is uh, something to be said about this Vancouver team in that when you have success, you know, the teams that have success uh, in the NHL playoffs typically go through a lot of shit to get there. And I don't know if that team has taken their shit, uh, <laughs> taken you know you know had the shit come at them, so to speak. Um, at all, and I think they're going to need some seasoning in the playoffs before I I project them to have any huge run. Um, but they're a fun team, and they're good, and it's good that you know they're better again. Of course, a Boston Vancouver Stanley Cup final again would be outstanding. Um, but I don't know. I, I, what do you think about that team? So I I think they're good. I I agree with you though that like they got to get battle tested. They remind me a little bit of last year's Bruins, obviously not at the same pace points wise, but in terms of it just seeming like everything's going right. Bunch of guys having career years, um, new bald head coach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, like there's people might be familiar with the concept of PDO, which is like, it's basically just your shooting percentage plus your save percentage. And it's meant to more or less measure luck. Although, you know, you, you can be a more talented shooting team. You can have more talented goals ending, but the Canucks PDO has been like incredibly high all season, which is the sign of like just a ton of their shots are going in. Thatcher Demko has been awesome in goal. And it's like, that's kind of what the Bruins did last year. And then one of those things falls off a little in the playoffs and the Bruins case, the goaltending and all of a sudden you get upset in seven games and you look around and you go like, what the hell happened? And I could see that happen with Vancouver where it's like, if either Demko slips up, which, you know, he's been a really good goalie throughout his career, but he's had some down stretches. Or if they're finishing just like isn't there for a couple games, it, like it could all go south pretty quickly. And I think, um, you know, being able to fight through that to still win games in other ways is something that ultimately like the Bruins didn't do last year in that Florida series. And I wonder if the Canucks can do that. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. But that they certainly are fun and talented. There's no question. Yeah, they have talent. And I think there is a core there where I don't think this is a one-year thing. Um, but I do, you know, the goaltending is great. Uh, but I just, I don't think this is their year. 
Um, Winnipeg, I think, falls into the same thing. But Winnipeg also has been going at it for a while. I mean, Winnipeg, pre-kind of not being great last year, uh, even back in like 2017, 2018, they were one of the better teams in the league. They went on some runs. Um, so I, I do, I put them in maybe a different category than I do the Canucks, because the Canucks, this does feel very new, uh, you know, so... Um, Anyways, uh, before we get to the rest of the conversation, a quick word from one of our sponsors. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today and you get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. And we're back. Beautiful. Uh, if that was the FanDuel ad read, which you should have heard, uh, Super Bowl coming up. Do you have any big, uh, any big predictions on that, Scott? Any big Super Bowl predictions you like? Uh, nothing crazy, but I, I am going chiefs. Like it, it's kind of wild to me that they're the underdogs. Um, I, I don't know how you bet against Patrick Mahomes. Like, yeah. And I agree. not just that, but that defense chiefs defense has been filthy. Like it's, I don't fully understand why the 49ers are the favorites. So I will gladly just take the, the chiefs and Mahomes. Yeah, I agree. I do want to see the Niners win though. I would. Cause the Mahomes Brady stuff started to, it's yeah. starting to really ramp up, and I don't want to hear any more of it, so I'd love to see him lose the Super Bowl, but I agree with you. I don't know why they're underdogs in this game. Yeah, and, and as, as a Patriots fan, I'd also I also want the 49ers to win because I I want there to be another way to win a Super Bowl other than you have to have a Hall of Fame all-time great quarterback. So like it would just be an encouraging sign to see the 49ers win with Brock Purdy, who's good not great and you can just build a good team around them and you know that like that you can still do it that way i think would give not just patriots but a lot of fan bases hope i agree i agree with that um there was a tweet yesterday from ty anderson that i found interesting um, I, I, I agree complete <laughs> boo uh i saw dom tiano tweet something uh, a clip of or a screenshot of connor and ty talking it's like who wouldn't want to listen to these two and i'm like me, I wouldn't <laughs> want to listen to Ty Anderson talk ever about anything. Um, so that's just me. I'd love to listen to Connor, though. We have Con obviously Connor is on a lot and has his own podcast here. But Ty, boo. Um, I kid. I, I, I don't hate Ty. Ty's fine. Um, anyways, uh, he tweeted something about Danton Heinen signing him long term. And I think a lot of people are like, wait, what? Seriously? What are you talking about? Um, but I do think that there is some uh, some interest there. And an idea, and I'm saying I'm interested in this. I'm not saying 
Heinen is necessarily interested in this. Um, but a long-term deal at a cheap price, you know what you're getting from Heinen. Um, he's a reliable guy. And I do think there is – it's an interesting discussion to have of what if you did get him at a four- or five-year deal at an AAV of like, you know, two, three million. I don't know. I think that's an interesting topic. So uh, I'm generally not a fan of locking up – I'm not either, by the way. Bottom six forwards on – on any sort of deal that would qualify as long-term, um, you know, unless it's like a young guy who's clearly part of your future. And there's like Trent Frederick got to be fine. with. Yes. I mean, agreed. Fought on this team, no matter what, you know, he's, you know, just getting to his prime uh, with Heinen. I would be open to like two, two years, maybe, you know, maybe three. I don't think I'd go too much beyond that. Just because as much as I like him and as good as he's been this season, there will be another Danton Heinen at, at some point. And locking yourself into a player like that, like into his 30s, it starts to get a little sticky for me. But I mean, the uh, Islanders have been doing this and it really hasn't been working. Yeah, but um, but but two two years, if you were open to that, like, great. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I, two years is fine. I I don't have the tie tweet in front of me. Um, I don't know if he mentioned four or five years. That was you know kind of what I assumed he meant. Um, but I agree. Two years, sure. But once I, I I agree with you. Once you start getting into that four year range, guys, bottom six guys like that are rarely gonna go up, especially someone at Heinen's age. And we kind of know what his game is. It's either going to stay the same or it's going to peter off a little bit, and that production isn't going to be there and things like that. And that's when that money starts to stink. So um, I agree. I don't want him super long term locked up. Uh, but again, if it can be uh, shorter term, um, I'm okay with that. Um, before we get to the big news, which is Matt Patra, uh, another quick word from our sponsor over at HelloFresh. So Matt Potra, the big news, obviously uh, announced out for the rest of the season, needed shoulder surgery. Uh, he's been out for a little bit. Uh, so some question marks around him. Um, two questions. One, is this going to hurt his development? And number two, did the Bruins miss you? Did, did the Bruins uh, make the wrong move? Were we all caught up in the hype a little bit too much at the beginning of the season? I don't think we were. I think he has all the promise in the world. I think he earned the right to be here. I think injuries happen, but I'm curious what you think. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't I don't think it was a mistake. Um, like you said, he, he earned it. I mean, he was clearly one of their best 12 forwards in the preseason. And even through that nine-game sample, um, you know, extended tryout, whatever you want to call it, before they had to decide to activate his, his entry-level contract. And, you know, for a while after that, he continued to produce at a pretty good clip. Like, I, I think it, it pretty quickly became clear, like, okay, he's probably not going to be a top six forward this year. He's, you know, you're not going to start giving him like 18 minutes a game. That that wasn't realistic. But solid third liner, I thought, was absolutely in play for him. And he produced like that for a while. I think at the time he got hurt, he was sit, fifth or sixth on the team in five on five points per 60 minutes. And that was even with that production dropping off in January um, when he came back from World Juniors and then suffered the injury, battled through it, was in and out of the lineup a little bit. So, uh, no, I you know, I think you saw a lot of good things from Matt Podger this year. And I think he, he was going to need some sort of reset at some point. But I think it was – I still had some optimism that 
if he was healthy, he could get back to producing like a really solid third liner. Um, and that would have been, you know, that would have been a big addition for the Bruins down the stretch or, you know, big, big contributors. So no, I, I don't think they made a mistake. And as for his development, look, obviously you never want any season ended, you know, cut short and it would have been great for him to get experience down the stretch and maybe even playoffs, depending on how he would have been playing at the time, but it, it would have hurt his development even more had they kind of strung this out and tried to, you know, try to play through it, manage it, workload, but ultimately it's still probably going to need surgery in the off season because then that ruins your entire off season. And you're yep. looking at like a November, December start to next season. Um, Brad Martian just talked about this early this week. He had the double hip surgery last year, obviously completely different injury, but he said, you know, when you come back in November and you haven't had training camp in a summer of training, he's like, you just can't play catch up mid season. Like you're just not going to get to the level that other guys are at. And especially for, uh, you know, he'll be 20 years old, 20 years old next season, Patra. That's really tough. Like he needs that physical development that you can really only do over the summer. It's so hard in season to get stronger, to build up your conditioning. Like that's really off season stuff. And so for Padre, this coming off season is going to be huge going into next season, which will hopefully be year two in the NHL. You know, obviously the, the hope is that he makes the team out of camp again next year. Um, so I, I think you make the right decision getting the surgery now setting him up for success next season instead of trying to trying to fight through this, potentially making it worse and, and you know, kind of only delaying the, the inevitable. So you're telling me Patrice Bergeron can't play catch up in the middle of the year and come back and be the hero that everybody wants him to be. Is that what, is that what you're saying, Scott? I don't, I mean, look, I don't put anything past Bergeron, but uh, yeah, I don't think that's happening. Evan. No, not a chance. Um, it, you're right on Patra with the development in taking the rest of the season. But I will say, and and again, obviously he's injured, so it's different. But I would have loved to have seen him in the playoffs. I think that was my big thing was I just wanted to see where he fit in this lineup, how he contributed, how he responded to postseason hockey at 19 years old. Again, it goes out the window when you need shoulder surgery. Um, so I get that, but I just would have loved to have seen it. Um so yeah, unfortunate news with him. And I'm curious, I mean, uh, does that change what you think the Bruins should do with the deadline at all? Um, and where are you at in terms of what you think the Bruins should do with the deadline? Well, it, I'm going to kind of take a cop-out answer a little bit. It it might change it. I think the Bruins have to figure out what they have internally and how comfortable they feel about the center position. You know, And by that, I mean... Do they think Jesper Bokas can be their fourth line center the rest of the year into the playoffs? If if they have questions about that, do they think Johnny Beecher is going to be ready to come back up and contribute and be you know what he showed flashes of early in the season at, as a potentially solid fourth line center? Do they think you know a Georgie Merkulov has a chance to contribute? Like, is he any kind of option? So you you have they have to figure out if they're comfortable with their internal options, especially at center, especially solidifying that fourth line. Um, you know, I think the third line right now they have Lauko on it. I, I'm not sure that that really lasts all season. 
Um, but you can easily just move Danton Heinen up. Like that's mm-hmm. if you have a Heinen geeky Frederick third line, that's really solid to me. So I whether it's a third line guy or a fourth line guy, I think they got to find something, whether it's internally solidifying what they already have, because, you know, like right now, Oscar Steen's been in the lineup more often than not. I don't know if he's, you know, I don't know if you really want him playing every night come the playoffs. They just called up Anthony Richard. It sounds like he's going to play Saturday. Like we'll see how that goes. Is he an option? So there's definitely some questions there and there's, there's some openings for someone to either run with a job and claim it for themselves or for them to go outside and make a trade and say, whether it's a center, a fourth line wing, whatever it might be, like we need to solidify this group with X. And I also think that it, it is, that does change things a little bit because going into this, going into the deadline again, we're about a month away uh, you know, there was talk of, oh, they could go for Adam Henrique or, oh, they should potentially go for, I mean, Noah Hannafin is brought up, but that's like the biggest fish out there. You're gonna have to give up a lot to get Noah Hannafin, but we, you know, Bruins should go out and get, you know, a, a potential top four defenseman and things like that. That's going to cost you. I don't think they have the assets to go out and get a, you know, middle, you know, like a, a Henrique and then also, you know, depth on the back end. I think the move might be get depth guys at both areas, you know, guys who, you know, not high upside third pairing defensemen and, you know, uh, a potential fourth line center. Like, I think that might be more what they are in the market to do. Cause I think we're in agreement. I'm not trying to give up, you know, a ton, unless it's for someone with control long-term and you're bettering your team and all that for the future. But I, I I don't think they have the pieces to go out and get like a Henrique and someone that could be a potential top four defenseman. I think you almost just have to kind of go either you have to pick one or the other, or you go with depth in both areas that aren't high end players. Um, and I think that to me is more the thing there where you want to have depth because I don't know if it's worth going out and getting those higher end guys. Right, or if it's a situation where you know you're gonna sign a guy to an extension if it's yes. kind of like in their prime years like yep there was there was a report that it sounds like there was a team in on elias lindholm that only wanted to give up a first round pick if they could sign him to an extension and elliot friedman has hinted that 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 team was the bruins um like that makes sense to me i don't think the bruins are in a position Last year they traded away two first round picks for rentals. Yeah. I don't think they can do that again. So no. <laughs> if, if you're if you're giving up a first round pick, another first round pick, like it's got to be someone with team control. So um, you know if you can get Noah Hannafin and sign the hometown boy to an extension, like okay, that becomes a little more doable potentially when it comes to giving up great you know real high end assets, but. Um, for a rental, yeah, I agree with you. That'd be tough. You know, I, I've thrown out, and I think you've maybe even mentioned this on another podcast, like Jake Middleton in Minnesota would would make a lot of sense to me. He has another year of control after this. That's if he's available. You know, Minnesota might sit there and say, like, no, he's part of our team next year. We expect to be, you know, contending playoff team again next year. Um, they're not going to trade him. So, like, there's only – you know, first you got to find the guys who are available. Like it's easy for us to sit here and say, Oh yeah, Jake Middleton would be great. You know, give up a, a second, a fourth and a mid tier prospect or whatever. But it's like, okay, but what if the wild just 
aren't even remotely interested in trading them. Then, then <laughs> and what like if there are other teams driving the price? Right. Up, you yeah. Know? So yeah. I agree with you. And that's why I think it's this deadline's tough to predict. It's annoying for the Bruins and for teams who want centers because the top two centers are just off the board now. Um, so we'll see what happens. A lot more uh, where that's going to come from in the next couple of weeks, especially with the deadline. Uh, Scott, what can people look forward to from you over at uh, Odyssey and uh, the Skate Podcast? Yeah, just uh, more regular coverage on WEI.com, Skate Podcast, as you mentioned. And Sunday Skate returns Ooh. a week from Sunday, February 18th. Uh, me, Andrew Raycroft, Bridget Peru, whole gang back together. So, and that's it'll be, like uh, it'll be 9 a.m. Sun- Sundays at 9 a.m. Yep. There you go. So, not too, too early on a Sunday morning, you know, after the Saturday night games, you'll be up. And I remember in the 2019, um, during the 2019 playoff run, you guys were doing Sunday Skates like overnight. Like, like they, that was like the night show at times. Like it, it was crazy. I, I, so I wasn't doing it like regularly back then, but yeah, I remember there were, there, there was certainly at least like an 8, 8 a.m. starts and maybe even like a 7 a.m. mixed in. That was, yeah, that's, that, that's not fun after a, a late Saturday night. I could be mis. I think after the Bruins uh, scrimmage to open the 2019 like cup because they had that long break in between. Yeah. I want to say like Ken Laird and Matt Kalman did one at like 12 a.m. But I could be misremembering. <laughs> but they did one like at night after a game, and it was it was crazy. Um, I think they did one because I remember like listening on my ride home. But um, anyways, for hopefully you don't have to do any of those. Hopefully there's none of that. No, I don't. I don't think yeah. that's in my contract. I gotta, you know, <laughs> get gotta, that, gotta, gotta, check, gotta check the fine print. But exactly, exactly. Uh, but anyways, Scott, always a pleasure. Uh, and that's it. That's this week's Bruins beat. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You, you Bruins beat listeners. Have a great rest of your week. Teenage Wasteland.